When Terry texted me and asked me to serve again for a few Sundays while she was away on leave, I was delighted to come again to St. Peter's. However, I have kind of fallen out of the rhythm of a weekly sermon preparation. So I asked her to see if she could get me some help with the preaching. In that way, I wouldn't have to prepare a sermon each week that I was a celebrant. She agreed to do so. So I only preach two of the four Sundays that I'm going to be here as celebrant. I think that the licensing of more people to preach in our denomination has been a very great improvement. It provides the congregations with more variety and additional insights from the people's experience that they can share in their homilies. Now most of us have been trained in the Episcopal Church to base our homilies on a single theme theme, which is expressed in both the Old Testament lesson and the Gospel reading. So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, texted Carrie, uh, Terry and said, uh, which Sundays will I be preaching? And she said I was, as I said earlier, uh, scheduled to preach one Sunday in June and one in July. And she said that this is the Sunday that I was to preach, not next Sunday. And I was very thankful when I read the lessons. <laughs> In next week's Gospel, uh, Jesus gives permission for demons to enter into some pigs and then run into the lake and drown. One of your own, Dr. Linda Brown, who is an Iona seminarian, uh, lost the draw. And uh, she preaches next week, and I wish for her an infilling of the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment. That's a pretty tough reading for a congregation that likely has more than one Arkansas Razorback hog fan. I know because I am one, you know, and we are pretty tough on demons, but we're very sensitive about how our pigs are treated. (laughs) Fortunately today, I can preach to you on the part of the story of David and Bathsheba and a gospel lesson in which the theme for both is the good news of God's forgiveness of even the worst and most frequent sinners. As I said, some lessons are easier than others to grasp the good news that God is revealing to us. Sometimes when the lecturer finishes the Old Testament lesson in which God is smiting and utterly vanquishing transgressors like us. And then the Lester concludes with the word of the Lord, and the congregation wrotely responds, Thanks be to God. I wonder sometimes if they've really been listening (laughs) to what's being said. I appreciate the need to include all significant biblical readings in the lectionary in order to have a more comprehensive and a balanced revelation of the nature of God. But as I said, I'm ecstatic 
when I get to do a homily on these lessons like the ones today. And I have kind of an envy for the more fundamentalistic kind of denominations where the preacher is given the freedom, he's not on a lectionary and he can just pick the passage of Scripture on which he's writing a sermon. But today the story of David and Bathsheba is both captivating and it is profound. It's such a great story that it was used by Hollywood to make a real blockbuster movie. And if you're as old as I am, you can even remember seeing it as a, as a young person. And the Bible has been used by Hollywood to produce a great number of movies. There are great stories in it. David is really a very complex character. At times, his actions were heroic and admirable. As even a young boy, he slays the feared enemy of the Israelites, Goliath, who has challenged the Israelite army to send one person rather than the armies fighting to come and duel with him and, and save the lives of the soldiers. But as he pleaded with the Israelites, no one came. And then young David comes without any armor in a shepherd's tunic and he slays Goliath with a single stone thrown from his slingshot. It was amazing, amazing story. And overall, David was a very successful and a very good king. But as the story of David and Bathsheba continues in the gospel today, we see he is not a perfect one. Bathsheba is just hearing that her husband Uriah is dead. In fact, he's been murdered by her lo lover David, who sent him into the front lines of battle with the Ammonites. He sent him without proper support, and he knew that would lead to his certain death. He had done it to cover up his adulterous relationship with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, who was great with David's child, and Uriah could not have been the father because Uriah was out on the battlefield when the baby was conceived. The beloved king, the blessed king of God, had used his absolute power to commit a cowardly and a heinous crime. Now, prophets had a really dangerous job. But Nathan craftily tells, Davis a story, Davis tells David a story in which David is to be the judge. The story is about a poor man who had only one lamb, a ewe, and an evil rich man who had many lambs and many things. But when a traveler comes to the rich man's house to be a guest for dinner, the rich man, rather than killing one of his many lambs, takes the poor man's lamb, his beloved pet lamb, and slaughters it to feed his guest. King David is filled with righteous anger. And when he heard Nathan's story, and then he declares the rich man should be killed, and the poor man restored four told times for his loss of the land. 
And Nathan tells David, David, you are the rich man. He reminds him that God had rescued him from Saul, who sought to kill him. God had given him his kingdom, and God had given him Saul's many wives and still more wives. And God had increased his kingdom. And God would have given him even more if he had simply asked. David was stricken with remorse, and he cried, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said that because you acknowledge your sin and repented, the Lord has put away your sin. That doesn't mean the sin didn't have consequences, but he had been forgiven by God. The lesson is that if we confess our sins and turn away from them, we receive God's forgiveness for our sins and are, they are literally blotted out. The gospel lesson is also good news about the forgiveness of sin. The Pharisee is, in the story, is absolutely appalled that Jesus allowed a woman who was a known sinner to be in his presence and even allowed to touch him, which was against the law. Jesus had not rebuked her or drawn away from her. And when she washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, and then she anointed his feet with ointment, Jesus, like Nacon, makes a point by telling the Pharisee a story about a creditor who had loaned money to two men. To one, he had loaned 500 denarii, which is the equivalent of about 500 days of hard labor. And to the other, he had lent 50 denarii. And when the men could not repay the debt, he had forgiven both of them. He asked the Pharisee, which of the debtors would love him more? And the Pharisee answered, the one with the larger debt. And Jesus said, you have answered rightly. The woman who had many sins was forgiven because she had shown her love and faith to Jesus. Well, the Pharisee had not even responded to his needs. Both of these lessons are on the theme of forgiveness of God that is totally unwarranted. That's the really good news. I can remember being so frustrated as a young preacher's kid. I know I'd try to do what was good, and I was frustrated by the fact that no matter how hard I tried, I didn't always seem to be able to do it. And finally, I just gave up trying because it seemed impossible. I rejected religion. And because of all the rules, because they had so many rules that were seemingly impossible to follow, I just didn't think it was practical. But still, when I did something wrong, I felt guilt. Even though I told myself it was impossible, I knew that in the back of the mind, my mind, I was doing something that was wrong. 
It's like the frustration the Apostle Paul felt when he tells us he did the evil he didn't want to do instead of the good he wanted to do. Paul says there's no good in me until the Holy Spirit is sent by God and he's able to do then what is right. In another passage, Paul confirms the theme in today's lessons. If we confess our sins and turn away from them, that God will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It might seem too good to be true. God's unmerited forgiveness may not seem to us to be fair or to be just. But in the Gospel, David, instead of being sentenced to, in the uh, Old Testament lesson, David, instead of being sentenced to death, was forgiven because he repented. God's grace is not earned like the Pharisees attempted to do by adherence to a set of rigid rules. But it's freely given because of God's love for us. It's absolutely amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And that is the very good news for all of us today. Amen.